0: Thank you for having me. This is actually my first LEAP HR conference. Uh, so I've had a really good time meeting my peers and forging some connections. I'm hoping to just walk you through a little bit of my experience and talking to Gareth, who planted this seed uh, for the topic. Um, we definitely have a unique experience being in healthcare, but we're also at the intersection of technology, right? We're based in South San Francisco. We come from Google, which I lovingly refer to as the mothership, and so we have a large tech influence, but I think it's been interesting to see the intersection of that and healthcare. So, I think we spent a lot of time, and I've heard a lot of you say we are collaborating, consulting, reacting, responding, add ING to a word, and you're probably doing it every day. So I'd love to spend the next 20 minutes asking you to be a little introspective. You know, ask yourself these questions. How are you doing this for yourself as head of people ops, head of talent, and how are you doing it for the functions you're building? And they're probably pretty basic questions, but when Verily formed and, uh, you know, I was given this opportunity, I asked myself these questions then, and I ask them now three years later. I will have a quick disclaimer. We refer to the people function as people operations. I intentionally don't use the word HR. This may be a Silicon Valley thing, it may be something, I don't know if it's happening here, but for us HR, Google started it, but really HR sometimes has the connotation of being traditional, administrative, reactive. And I don't think any of us are leading functions that reflect those attributes. So we intentionally describe our function in a different way. And it's operations. And I think, you know, coming from Google, which has a big software population, it resonates a little more and a little differently than by calling ourselves HR. So I'd like to ask how many of you had heard about Verily um, or have heard about us? Okay, good. Um, so we were formerly known as Google Live Sciences. So we were founded in 2013 by our founder and CEO, Andy Conrad. We were part of Google X, which is that crazy team in Google that does self-driving cars and Google Glass and we were another crazy project at the time. When Alphabet was created uh, in 2015, we became a subsidiary of Alphabet. So the Alphabet creation essentially took a lot of those crazy projects within Google and made them subsidiaries of Alphabet. Um, we rebranded to Verily, which is actually a word. It's a little antiquated, but it's a word that means truthfully, certainly, and you know, based on our mission, which you can see here, we are trying to figure out what the true picture of human health is, so the name sticks. It's a big mission, it's a lofty mission, but if we've learned anything from Google, we're not trying to make incremental change, we're trying to make exponential change, and we're just gonna go big and see if we can do that. I mentioned we're at the intersection of technology, healthcare, data science, and informatics. Um, It's an interesting position to be in. There's not a lot of companies like Verily in the Bay Area, or actually, I think, elsewhere, so we're really trying to take this opportunity and do something with it. So how do we achieve our mission? Uh, We're trying to collect, organize, and activate. So collect. We're trying to create tools and technologies. Sensors are really what come to mind, and you may have heard about a contact lens that we're working on that has a glucose sensing sensor in the contact lens. We're trying to create tools and technologies like that to give you better health information. If If you know more, you can do more, and you can change the face of healthcare with tools and technology. We're trying to organize, so of course we come from Google. We have great software engineers. If anything, I think that's our secret sauce. Um, and we're building software platforms and capabilities to look at big, complex, multi-dimensional data sets to help facilitate better research, deep learning, and to, again, help create therapeutic tools to make a difference and activate. So we're using the insights and the analytics that we get from big data from our platforms, right, to, again, create tools and technology to intervene and get in front of disease the best we can. Some examples in this space, um, we're currently working on the world's smallest uh, CGM. We have a study watch uh, that got a lot of press um, that is helping, we're using it in clinical trials right now to get data from those clinical trials back to patients, payers, providers. And what's something I think is worth noting is while we have a watch that I probably should be wearing, um, we're not trying to sell it, right? It's not going to market. We're not trying to commercialize. What we're doing is putting it in the hands of hospitals and providers so that they can better use that to get data that they need for um, their patients. And I think people often ask, you know, what are we, are we trying to be the next pharmaceutical company? Like, what are we trying to be? And we're not. I think Andy alluded to this, but we really focus on partnerships. Um, it's one of the things I think that makes us different. You guys are already doing it. You know how to get a drug to market. You know how to commercialize. So we're trying to leverage those partnerships, that expertise that's already out there to help just get our technology research and learnings Into the market. Um, So we have three joint ventures right now. We have a joint venture with Johnson and Johnson in the surgical robotics space. It's called Verb. We have another joint venture with Sanofi. Um, It's called Onduo, and we're creating a comprehensive diabetes management platform. And we have a third joint venture um, with GSK in the UK called Galvani, which is working on bioelectronics. We also have Ver- Powered by Verily projects. Um, our partnership with The Broad is an example of, you know, we may not be creating a joint venture or a company, but we are putting our research and technology in the hands of other Folks, that can you know, make a difference just as much as we can. And then, of course, we have Verily Projects. Baseline is one, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's probably our biggest project, and it's a longitudinal study to understand what does it mean to be a healthy human. If you can get to the fundamentals and figure out what it means to be healthy, you can get ahead of disease more quickly um, and hopefully intervene more precisely. So kind of narrowing the lens a little bit to what we do and who we are, our people ops mission is fairly simple. I think we probably all share the same mission in some capacity. The words may be different. um, Yours may be more complex. But at the end of it, I think we really care about talent. Um, But I do have to say, you know, I refer to Google as the mothership. I think we're in a unique position because of where we came from. You know, we're not a traditional startup. And we're 600 people now, so I don't even know if I can call ourselves a startup, but we, we think we are compared to the mothership. Um, you know, We've had 120% growth since our formation in 2015, um, which is a lot, and we're not slowing down. But when you come from Google, who does everything really well, there's a lot of change management that comes with that. Um, you know, Being the first people ops hire for Verily and building the function, we're constantly thinking about the trade-offs we have to make. What do we leverage from Google? What do we build in-house What do we want to look to the external market for? What do we want to leverage a Google proprietary tool for? And it's tough, right? Employees, our employee population is half Googlers, like myself, who have been there 10 years, half people that have never worked at Google, right? They are coming from pharma, med device, industry, academia, that don't know what it's like to work in this, you know, amazing Google culture land. So it's created a lot of challenges when you're, trying to deviate from a company that is the industry standard, right? It's a big thing for employees. And, you know, the easiest and craziest example is we're trying to move our email addresses from at Google to at Verily, and it's creating a lot of consternation, and people are just fighting back because people really identify as being Googlers. Um, So it's, it's a constant, you know, push and pull, but that's sort of our job is to figure out, you know, what makes sense for Verily as a company and how do we create a unique brand, identity, and help our employees identify as verily employees and not so much Googlers. So how we achieve our mission, I think, you know, this people ops wheel is something we use as a framework. Um, I think the pieces probably are all pieces you all consider. Maybe your pieces are different. Where you spend your time may change, but it's a framework we look at to really assess and grade ourselves of what are we doing now? Where are we spending our time? Where should we be spending our time and you know what's working and what's not. Um, I'll touch on a couple of these, but this is really what we looked at when Verily became a separate subsidiary, because we really do want to focus on creating a company that works for biotech, works for tech, is life sciences, and really supports our employees. And I mentioned, you know, we are scientists. I think Andy at the Bro kind of is, has a similar employee profile of we're hiring cardiologists, chemists, hardware engineers, software engineers, immune oncologists lawyers, it's, it's a little crazy, so we really have to create a company that appeals to all of those profiles and everyone comes with their own background and their own expectations. So, And how each of these things is managed from where they came from is very different. So culture stands out to me the most, and I think we've talked a lot about this topic. But we are a mixed bag. Uh, We're a Google culture, which I've heard is, you know, the best culture out there. So, you know, we definitely want to pull the the tenants and the things that work well. But we're also creating our own Verily culture. And what does that look like? For us, it's been a grassroots effort. I think culture... should be organic and natural. I don't think it's something that can be top down and directive. So we've really leaned on our employee population to help define what our culture is. Um, you know, and and we're open, we're transparent. I forced my CEO to be more visible and accessible. He comes from LabCorp and, from a very different type of industry where he was not used to this transparent culture, but we got him out there, and I think now he kind of likes it. Um, we created Verily Values. Uh, you know, being a standalone company, I think you have to have something to fall back on to hold people against and accountable towards. So our five values, which are active intentionally, are question convention, stay nimble, do more good, be one team, uh, and start with yes. Yes. And we we chose our values to be active so that you keep the focus on doing and executing and moving quickly versus them being static. Um, mission and strategy, I think, is obvious. You would think you create a company, and obviously you've got the mission sorted out. I will say we faltered here a little bit, and we've iterated on our mission a couple times because it's big. You know, coming from Google, who ha- they have a strong mission. They hold true to it. You want to do, you know, the mothership proud. So we've had to iterate a couple times, and I think we're in a good place where, you know, our employees understand it, we're able to communicate it, and I think the world sort of understands what we're trying to achieve. Uh, Talent strategy and workforce. I have to admit, we benefit a lot from a recruiting perspective. I mean, I think, you know, being part of Google and Alphabet affords us an opportunity to attract really great talent, but it's really competitive. I think, again, Andy alluded to, you know, we are having the conversations of do you want to work in Cambridge? Do you want to be in Silicon Valley? It's really expensive to live in the Bay Area. How do you keep up from a compensation perspective? We actually have our own equity vehicle, which is something we intentionally created when Barely became a separate company as we need to align incentives people can't be holding on to Google stock but then be working for Verily, right? I think you may not get the, you know, the work effort that you'd like, but we really have aligned people now with our own equity vehicle. That is the first of its kind, and I can talk about that a little separately because it's not quite startup stock, but we're also not a public company, but there is some liquidity there to help people feel like, you know, they're still getting the cash at the end of the day. Our org health and structure, we're a flat organization. That's something we really copy Google, um, and I think it really helps to breed innovation, reduce bureaucracy, cut down bottlenecks, and we're going to keep that flat culture. You know, it's been that way from when I joined, we were 120 to now 600. We have a small leadership team. We actually have no VPs. We're very flat from a title perspective. We try to get our employees and people that join, which is hard to really not focus on titles. Uh, We don't actually have a CSO. So, you know, we structure our leadership team a little differently than I think traditional pharma and biotech companies, but it's intentionally done that way. I think something that's interesting about our leadership team is, um, you know, a lot of them are first-time leaders. A lot of them are leaders that are going to work for us now, but I don't know if they're the leaders that are going to get us three, five, ten years down the road. Do we have the right CFO to get us to IPO? I don't know. But we have those conversations, and we question the leaders we have. And I think it's something, it's a good exercise to go through so you can get ahead of some of the things that may be coming down the pike when it comes to a leadership team. Perf, comp, and career dev probably could be their own uh, pieces to this wheel, but I bucket them because we lean on Google for a lot of these, but we're having some tough decisions now of thinking about when do we move off. All of these are proprietary systems that Google has has built in-house, but they're processes that work for 75,000 people in a tech company. They're not working for a 600-person life sciences company. So what do we want to keep and what do we want to build on our own? And it doesn't have to be all or nothing, But these are the conversations we're having um, that we need to have to make sure we're building programs and processes that solve for what we're trying to solve for. So just asking the questions of, you know, what do you want your per philosophy to be, comp philosophy, how do you want to develop employees? Are you really focused on retention? You know, like Andy said, or are you okay if people leave after a couple years? And we do, my CEO is not about to counter, he's not going to save everybody that wants that we have leaving. He really believes in, you know, if people want to go on to the next opportunity, it's okay to do that, and the door is always open, and, you know, new talent gives diversity of thought, so I think it's actually a good thing to have people sort of come in and out the door. I think also... While you can look at how you do things, what you're doing, how you can be different, what's working now, what's not, I also think there needs to be a shift in mindset. I went through this great training uh, that we gave to our employees a couple weeks ago, um, just called Mindsets for Collaboration, and I just think it's all about the mindset you bring to your personal life, your work life, this conference, and I think from a people function, it often is reactive. I mean, I think... There's no surprise that we're putting out fires. We're responding to business acquisitions, hiring, geographical expansion. But if you can pivot that a little bit to being proactive, can we get ahead of things? Can we have the, answer the questions of, hey, have you thought about this? Yes. Do you have the data for this? Yes. Can you project out growth and where we should be building our next office? Yes. It'd be amazing to be yes, have yes to all those questions. Um, and I think if we can just shift the mindset a little bit, we'll get there. My CEO often says, if you can know more, you can do more. So how do you know more? Data and insights, no surprise. Every decision we make in people ops is data-driven. But how do you use that data to move things forward, right? How do you project out things and think ahead? And just, I think, building engagement surveys, site analytics, automating, you know, things of that nature. You can do a lot with data and insights. And if you don't have a data and insights team, I'd strongly recommend having one. I think there's immense value add from having a team that can do this for you. Capabilities. I think about it, we talk a lot about our companies, right, what talent do you have, what are the core competencies you have but do you look at your people function in the same way, right, what are the gaps that you have right now on your people team, what are the competencies domain expertise, subject matter that you need for a growing startup I'm constantly looking at that, I don't know everything, so I've got to make sure I'm building a team that can support this company now, but also three years down the road so actually just being a little more inward looking has benefited us, and then of course technology and infrastructure, do you you have the fundamental, you know, platform systems that you need in place to help, you know, move your function being from being reactive to proactive. And when I was thinking about just the mindset, I just feel like there are some drivers that are hard to ignore, but really do influence the way we think and why we think reactively. I think speed and agility, healthcare is complicated. Timescales are long. It's hard to move quickly. And in the tech world, that is super frustrating when Google is launching a product every day. And if they get it wrong, they'll just iterate and do, you know, version 2.0. So that's challenging for us. Change management is hard. Change is hard. It feels like it's incremental, but again, we're trying to go big, so uh, we don't want to make incremental change. Benchmarks, I think we're often rooted in what we are all doing. What's the next company doing? What's my neighbor doing? How are they paying? What's your long-term incentive plan? So we're often comparing, and I think that can create a reactive way of addressing some of your people issues and culture, as I alluded to in the beginning. I, I, people ops, you know, I think is just viewed in a different way. It's not viewed as an innovative function. I think it's reactive, it's traditional. So if you flip the script on each of these, instead of being slow, can we just launch and iterate? I think on the CHRO day, I heard a lot about pilots, which I think are great. But can you start piloting programs, just different way of doing things? And if they don't work, do a postmortem and share with people of why something failed. I think we don't do that enough in the people ops space, and I'd like to do that more, you know, in the business, you know, drugs fail, fail, and, you know, I've learned a lot about drug discovery since we are not in that space, but can you do the same thing with, in people ops? Obviously, I know people issues are very sensitive, so you need to tread lightly, but just having more of a launch and iterate mentality, building for scale instead of incremental change, can you build for scale looking at your roadmap three, three five, ten years down the road, I think an earlier presentation talked a little bit about having that long-term view and having the same thing with your uh, burgeoning companies. And then questioning convention, sort of throwing the rule book out the window. We're doing that now, and our rules are Google rules, which, you know, it sounds crazy to throw out their rules, but we are to a certain degree because we need to figure out what works for us, and we're not so concerned about what other people are doing. We also don't have a lot of exact peers in the market. There's not a lot of Verily type companies. So we are having to figure out things that just work for us and maybe companies will follow suit but we're okay if they don't. And then culture. I think we're doing that today and I've been really inspired by this conference but just changing the face of people ops to be innovative and forward looking and I think a lot of you are already doing that for your respective companies. So if you could just, you know, could you redefine the wheel? Do you want to redefine it? Are there more pieces? Is it too static? Do you feel like it's nimble enough for your company? You know, you could do the, you know, we use sometimes this framework in a business setting too, and I think it's constantly changing and evolving, and it has to. I think it's naive to think that's going to stay the same way when you're a 100-person company, 200, 300, 400 down the road. Um, So it's just something to think about for us that we do, and I'd encourage you all to do the same. And, you know, I asked you guys this question at the beginning. And so just with a slight tweaking of words, instead of do you do these things, how? And if you do, kudos to you. I'd love to hear more. But I just think constantly pushing yourself and pushing your thinking. I I loved Andy's presentation on, even if you're not doing these things now, just thinking about how else you could do things differently because at least you're having the conversation.